You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. Frank, the Milwaukee Bucks are still undefeated in the Eric Bledsoe era. The Bucks moved to 3-0 in the Eric Bledsoe era with a 110-103 win over the Grizzlies on Monday night. And I, I guess where, where's your head at after that one? Well, after that first half, what, what, you were tweeting the offensive and defensive <laughs> ratings throughout the game live as they were happening, and I think there was one point in the second quarter where I, I think you tweeted that the Bucks' defensive rating was in the 166 region. Um, yes, yes, it was. Which, yeah, which um, I don't, that's close to like a perfect NFL quarterback rating, right? <laughs> um, which feels like is the exact opposite of. Um, of what you'd want defensively. Um, yeah. Have I'm, you I'm, seen two offenses score with greater, like, and it's not like the Bucks weren't scoring with them. Like the, I think the Bucks offense range was like 144 or something. Yeah. Uh, like it, the, no one would miss shots. Like when Mario Chalmers hit that step back, I don't even know what to call it. Teardrop that he put over the top of Thon. I was just like, okay, yep. Like, Everything like again, you, you want a lot more out of the defense. But when that when that fell, it's just like okay, this is this is what tonight's going to look like. And that first half was wild. Yeah, and it was slow pace wise. So that's why, like, I I didn't it didn't feel quite as terrible as it was. Like I would not have guessed that the Bucks were allowing a one sixty six defensive rating, other than the fact that you know what Memphis hit like. 10 out of 11 or 10 out of 12 shots to start that yep. period. So, I mean, they were kidding at just a crazy percentage, which obviously, like, you know, if, if the other team's shooting 80% in a quarter, you start to be in a very, very, very bad place uh, defensively. But still, um, I was still kind of surprised just because, it, again, it wasn't like a super fast pace game where, you know, both teams were just jacking up and draining threes, you know, early in the clock every time down. Um, you know, the Bucks again, had some early foul troubles, although that really reversed over the course of the game. And, you know, I guess that's that's really the story of this game. You, after that first half, um, you know, I guess you could have rightly said, well, if either of these teams starts playing, you know, some some decent defense, then that, that team's probably going to win. But, um, you know, for the Bucks to come out in the third quarter and um, I, and again, like, you know, to see such extreme shifts from you know memphis scoring it at an ungodly rate to not being able to score at all in the third quarter i mean obviously it's in the second quarter 12 in the third yeah like, i mean obviously that that doesn't happen unless you know you're seeing extremes both in in execution as well as as luck and yeah. skill and all that other stuff right i mean memphis was hitting difficult shots in addition to the bucks obviously not playing 
anywhere close to the defense that they need to um, in that first half. And then in the third quarter, and also in the last five, five, six minutes of the game, I, I thought, you know, finally the Bucks were were kind of challenging shots around the basket and stuff just wasn't going down for for Memphis. And and so certainly it did not look like a game that the Bucks were going to win on the strength of their defense. But in the second half, they actually did, you know, finally defend well. I mean, Tyreek Evans scored 20 of the of the Grizzlies' 38 second half points, if not for Evans really just going off and and playing excellent basketball. I mean, he's been good this season. We talked about that yesterday, but yeah. um, he, aside from him, I mean, uh, you know, kind of crazy to, to look at the box score and and you know just watch this game. I mean, I thought Eric Bledsoe did a terrific job containing Mike Conley. Conley was what he scored shoot. Should take nine shots and score like seven or eight points or two something like that. Two of twelve from the field, two of seven from three, one of two from the line, two assists, one steal, seven points on the night for Mike yeah. Conley. And I mean, Bledsoe wasn't lights out. He, I mean, Bledsoe was a game time decision with a sore knee, which is a bit of an ominous thing to hear for, about him. Obviously, well, given they his said it was a knee history, contusion, but... not knee soreness, Frank. The, okay, they said because. Uh, that was something I was kind of worried about because obviously you think about the same thing and you're like, well, this guy has had knee problems in the past. What's the deal with that? And it, the injury reports said knee contusion. So before the game, I was sure to ask Jason, like it says contusion. Does that mean he took a hit at some point? Because that would be uh, the obvious difference between contusion and soreness. And he's like, yeah, he took a hit. And Jason wasn't interested in giving anyone details, um, of course. But – he did say he did take a hit on Saturday, felt a, a little bit sore on Sunday, um, a little bit sore when we woke up today, and they thought he was going to be good to go. So I had, I think, five different people tweet me after potential spots where that might have been, um, where he might have taken a hit in that Saturday game. I have no idea. Um, obviously, uh, I tweeted out that I don't know when that hit happened, but I think maybe there were some spots where it could have. So um, it's interesting. And again, you could just say it's a contusion, even though it's just general knee soreness, uh, because you played a guy 30 minutes on a back to back and he hadn't played in three weeks. So it could very well be that as well. Yeah. But either way, I mean, again, Bledsoe was not, you know, this was not like peak. Eric Bledsoe by any by any stretch of the imagination, but um, you know he ends up with 15 points on four out of 10 shooting. Um, did hit one out of three from deep, uh, a corner three I think from a Giannis pass I want to say. Um, yep. Six of eight free throws. No, it was a Henson pass. Seven. A Henson, but yeah, that right. Henson caught it middle and kind of swung around yep. with great awareness and, and hit him in the corner. Um, seven rebounds, six defensive, four assists, uh, just one turnover. He was plus 19 and. Um, you know that that's what we you know mentioned it yesterday that this is a game where um, Conley and Bledsoe are are guys that you know you would expect Bledsoe should be able to go toe to toe with a guy like Conley as good as he is. Yep. Um, you know Conley makes about twice as much money as Bledsoe, um, but you know again the, the, neither of these guys is going to be in any conversation for you know top three, four, five point guards in the league. But um, they both bring it on both ends of the court and they can both make plays um and they both have kind of sneaky you know sort of all-around games um and certainly conley's added a, a three-point shot that bledsoe has not but 
um, you know, Bledsoe's functional quickness and athleticism is, uh, is obviously a huge plus. And, um, looking what he did tonight, I mean, you mentioned the other day, I mean, you're seeing a Bucks guard who can get over screens and pressure <laughs> a ball handler and not let, you know, a team get into its offense. Obviously for large portions of this game, the Clearsleys did get into their offense, but, um, certainly over the, the long haul, um, you know, Conley struggling mightily minus 13 and, and Bledsoe obviously getting the better of him. So, um, certainly, you know, just the idea of, you know, I, I, it kind of occurred to me kind of late in the game when, you know, Bledsoe had a huge play. Uh, I think it was with just under five minutes left. Yep. Um, the parting of the seas, it looked like Jason Kidd was going to call a timeout. Normally, you know, people complain about Jason Kidd not calling timeouts quickly enough. In this case, it worked out because the Grizzlies sort of lost, lost sort of sight. Yeah, they sort of lost sight of Conley was kind of looking and, and pointed. And then Dylan Brooks like almost came over to take Bledsoe, who, who had the ball and literally from, you know, 40 feet away, just basically just darts towards the basket and ends up um, finishing a nice reverse layup that, you know, certainly Delhi never could have gotten to the right in time. Whoa, 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 What? Come on, Delhi couldn't tell yeah. Hey, Delhi missed a shot at the rim tonight, so his perfect, uh, like, four for four start of the year uh, at the, at the, in the restricted area is over. But It was funny, um, it's funny yeah. you mentioned whether or not it was going to be quick enough because Jason joked about it during the – the post game, he's like, I'm just not. He's like, honestly, I wasn't quite ready for just how quick Eric is. Like, I wasn't quick enough to call that timeout. I wanted one there, and I got up to do it. And well, he he beat me to it. He got to the basket, and, and that was that. And it, it was just kind of startling to see the the starters come back on the floor. I think it's uh, Snell and Bledsoe and Middleton all come on with seven and a half minutes left. And the Bucks are down at the time, and they rattle off an 11-2 run. And I can't remember. I think it might have been capped by that Bledsoe layup. That's what caps it. David Fisdale calls the timeout, and all of a sudden the Bucks have themselves a nice little lead. And it, it like you said, there, there's not a Bucks point guard in the last decade making that play. Like the, the, I, I mean, Ishmith could have gotten to the rim, but he would have like bricked it off the glass, probably. Probably um, true. Yes. But, but yeah, Bledsoe. It was it was obviously awesome because you know Bledsoe coming and and you know getting another win in from the home crowd against a team that's obviously you know had a solid start to the year against uh, an opponent that is certainly a, a nice measuring stick for him and then you know I mean we'll we'll as usual sort of give Giannis sort of short shrift you know not a super efficient night from Giannis twenty two shots tonight but twenty seven points nine rebounds seven assists two steals two blocks two turnovers played forty four minutes which again ugh, is there a way to cut down on that jason kid um but you know Giannis kind of did sort of the low end of Giannis from a scoring standpoint um and then fortunately uh not just bledsoe but you know i mean if you were going to pick one star of the game i mean we, we've kind of buried the lead here a little bit but i mean is john henson your Woo! your mvp <laughs> you're like you're maybe expectations adjusted uh mvp um you know i i'm not going to say he made a bigger impact than Giannis necessarily but um, eight out of ten shots, uh, seventeen points, eight boards, three blocks um, in twenty-five minutes, and um, especially three assists. Late we got to mention the assists. I yeah. mean, you talked about how it wasn't necessarily peak Bledsoe. That was peak Henson. That was that was peak Henson. That was peak Henson. That that's as good as it's going to get. And he was, I mean, just fantastic throughout that game. The there was I just kept thinking I I kind of wish Johnny Mack was calling that game so he could have talked about the pop up zone because John Henson yeah. was all over 
the pop-up zone. But uh, that entire fourth quarter, it, it just kind of seems like Groundhog Day, where it was Middleton, Henson, pick and roll. They're going to see what they can create together. And at some point, Henson was going to get the ball in the middle, and then he was going to make a play out of that. Or they were going to look for Middleton or, or, Middleton or Giannis on a post-up, and then Henson would flash high-low. And that's a, that's a tough spot for a center to consistently – make the right decision and it was funny after the game Giannis hit us kind of with another American colloquialism uh, colloquialism that he got right because uh, uh, our friend at Brew Hoop Gabe Stoltz asked what did you think of Henson's contribution and Giannis cut him off and it was like seminar seminar <laughs> and he's like he, he put on a he put he gave the bigs a seminar he's and then he's like is that is that how you say it is, is that because that's how we say it in Greece? And I was like, yeah, that's that's how we say. It. He's like, yeah, he put on a seminar for the bigs, and he's 100 percent right. Throughout the game, he, wait. So Giannis now thinks that calling it a seminar is actually a thing in America too. Now, did you mislead Giannis? Is that what you're saying? I mean, you, you can use that. Like he put on Play, a seminar. He's looking for clinic, right? That's well, that's like a clinic or. I thought it was right? close I mean, enough. Like <laughs> you can say a seminar a clinic. It's, like it's it's been a while since we had like a Giannis uh, kind of. English, you know, language. I thought it was uh, close. Type, I thought it worked. Thing, so. uh, yeah, it's good. It's so good. someone, someone joked. Uh, I think it was our friend Charlie Saturday joked. He should be called the Big Seminar now. That should be the new <laughs> nickname for Henson. Uh, but no, he absolutely did. He was able to get into that middle area and make some nice passes. And it's kind of a shame that he ends the game with three assists. I would have to go back. I would assume there was a number of free throw assists that he got there um, where either Giannis or maybe there were some misses. But really, it was just a really nice performance. He played he played Gasol kind of perfectly. There was times where he, he would catch in the middle. He would look for the quick touch pass to Middleton, to Giannis, and then – Gasol, being the smart defender he is, would play back a little bit, and then that just meant, okay, one dribble, lefty hook, and in. And he was 8 for 10 on the night, a number of them in that position. And it was just something that if that's a thing John Henson can start to do, I think that's that's huge. And I do think maybe we do need to start talking about do we change expectations for John Henson. I'm always one that, no, never. Do not ever <laughs> change your expectations, but I do have to start rethinking a little bit because uh, 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 Jared Dubin, who uh, runs Locked On Knicks, um, came over and was saying he does like an NBA Rewind each week, which is a kind of like a cool video segment he does each week on his Twitter where he's going through some things that stood out to him that week. And he tweeted me as like, because I was making some jokes like, oh, look, John Henson, above average playmaker, is a thing. And he's like, I almost included that this week because he had two or three nice passes against the Spurs as well. And I, I thought the bigs in general, especially John Henson, have been doing a nice job with that lately. And that was kind of what they went to down, down the stretch. And I can't imagine – Honestly, I could not have mad- imagined a world where I would say something like that. Like, oh, yeah, the Bucks went to John Henson uh, or sets that involved John Henson's playmaking abilities down the stretch, and he made the right plays. And even when he made the wrong one where he threw the lob to Giannis when uh, Gasol was right there, well, Giannis is athletic enough that he made up for it and, and went over the top and Randy Moss, Gasol real quick and laid it in. And it, it was it was really just a nice game from Henson. And 
again, I think the stats kind of bear that out, but I think even there could have been even more assists there. And I thought it was just a really nice performance. And I'm generally confused now because I, my feelings for John Henson are quite clear. I, I don't really think that, that he's a guy that can play to this level, but we're, what, a month into the season at this point? Probably going to start rethinking that at least slightly, right? We'll see. I mean, you know, I think uh, again, um, you know, the 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 Bledsoe kind of lineup data and everything is still kind of early sample. But you know, I'm look. I've got the Bucks lineups up in front of me right now. I mean, the you know previous starting lineup with Henson and Brogdon as a starter. I mean, in 89 minutes, that group put up 120 offensive rating, 108 defensive rating. So I mean, they were. Not great defensively, but they were, were so good offensively <laughs> that uh, you know it, it didn't really matter. And they're plus twelve. Um, and now these two, the kind of the two most popular uh, Bledsoe lineups, one um, with Brogdon in for Snell and one with Snell. So basically, the starters, the the starting current starting five in forty two minutes, they're plus ten points per one hundred, one twelve point six offense, one hundred two point nine defense. So obviously, that defensive number is is a good one. Um, and then the second most common lineup is. Is with Brogdon uh, in for for Snell, so a lineup we've seen close some games tonight. Brogdon started very well. Um, you know, we were joking about him hitting uh, maybe the longest off the dribble three we've ever seen him try. <laughs> I saw the um, replay and it wasn't that deep. I thought it was deeper, yeah. uh, and I saw it was like re- a foot or two behind. It, you know? was, it was like it, it was. felt like a mile. Yeah. It really did. I was when, like, oh my god, like he was really far out there. And then I saw the replay and it was like he, he was further out than just the line. But. Yeah. Still, right. I, but I'm, I mean, it was it was off the dribble too. It wasn't like he. I mean, granted, he kind of walked into it. But um, I joked on Twitter. You know, we're one, at the point where I'm saying that nightly. Yeah, nightly, one, I'm saying one, Brogdon is hitting a three off the dribble, and that was something that I, I certainly questioned throughout the summer. And obviously, it's not at the same level as a guy like Dame Lillard or CJ McCollum. And uh, again, you wouldn't expect him to make that change in just one summer, but. It's new and and it does help stretch out the defense and make teams respect him that much more. And with with since he doesn't have that Bledsoe type quickness, those inches help. They really help. And uh, it's been it's been a fun development to see this season. One small step for Malcolm Brogdon behind that line. One or sorry, one small step for man, one giant leap for Ma- Malcolm Brogdon in his off the dribble game. Um, but yeah, Brogdon. <laughs> Brogdon started started well, um, then had some foul trouble. Only played 19 minutes, yep. and the Bucks really went away. Delhi didn't play many minutes at all. Would he play like 12 minutes or something like that? He didn't play well. Did hit a three. Just 12 I think at the beginning of the fourth quarter, but um, yeah, Delhi only played 12 minutes. So um, only 31 minutes between Brogdon and Della Vadova. You know, your two kind of primary uh, guards off the bench, and Bledsoe only played 27 minutes. So this was a relatively light game in terms of those guys, in large part because Tony. Snell got back up over 31 minutes, um, hit a big three in the fourth quarter, Did had four Snell assists. Did Snell mistakenly get somebody's assist? Because how do I not remember four assists from Tony Snell? Were they just on swing know. passes for threes? I don't like, know. They almost had know. They could, they, Maybe they were some like sketchy hand the ball off and then a guy dribbles and like uh, yeah. you know fake assist. I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, yeah, Snell and, and then DeAndre Liggins also um, gave the Bucks interestingly he ends up a minus 15 but you know for what he did i thought liggins actually gave them good minutes he had two three pointers um had three steals did have uh one sort of very deandre liggins moment where he got a great steal and then (laughs) um couldn't you know put the blinders on and and ends up like failing to draw and he might have 
most other players probably get a foul called there because it's DeAndre Liggins on the break. He kind of gets bodied and just throws it up against yeah. the backboard and gets gets no call. I mean, he, get, um, he gets that minus 15 just because of what Evans did to him to start the fourth. Right. Like, like right. those four Evan, minutes where Evans was going off, it was just going to be a minus for him. But before that, he was probably positive. And I, I was talking with some people uh, down at the station today about Liggins, and every everything I would use to describe him, um, I – won't bring myself to say on this podcast um, because I think the only way to describe DeAndre Liggins as a basketball player is an SOB and an MFR. That that dude is an MFR. There is no <laughs> doubt about it. Like every single time down the floor, he's probably going to be with you a full 94 feet and he's going to be chippy and he's going to be bumping you and it is going to be annoying as hell. And he actually has kind of the size to be a true pest. Like with Delhi, obviously Delhi tries to do a lot of those things, but he doesn't have the quickness. He doesn't have the size. He doesn't have the strength. He's just more of an irritant while Liggins is there in your face and it is annoying. Um, so I, again, to think that he's doing all that on a non-guarantee and there are definite limitations to his game don't don't dribble like you you can shoot i mean two of three from catch and shoot three is probably not something i would have expected so that's been an added bonus that he's been at least somewhat respectable behind the line but it's not gonna be anything offensively but defensively he is a straight up mfer no doubt about it yeah and uh you know interesting right i mean he he is now a guy that we're seeing on most nights it feels like i mean obviously he's you know he's not a guy that's gonna get 20 minutes every night it's gonna be kind of ebb and flow depending on matchups and how much jason kidd feels like he needs his defense um but he's also probably a guy that that really does benefit even though obviously you add a guard and bledsoe to the rotation um he probably benefits in the sense that having you know two playmakers on the court at all times makes it less painful to have a guy who you know is is as limited as Liggins is offensively so did, um, did i black out or did i see that lineup where it was middleton with four quote-unquote non-playmakers did i see that lineup tonight uh, it's very possible, especially if it was right. Like, maybe it was after Brogdon got his foul trouble. Um, that could be. I-, I thought I saw it again tonight. But yeah, like that's the key with Liggins. Like if you can, the Bucks can stagger things nicely enough that you don't really feel maybe uh, his limitations all that much. Like, and he can just kind of stand there. Uh, and actually, it might have been at the start of the fourth quarter because it felt like a couple times in a row you saw Delhi get the ball right wing. And the guy in the right corner was was Liggins, and in the Bucks' offense, that move is catch on the right wing, dribble to the right corner, and then dribble handoff to get the ball swung. And like three times in a row, Delhi saw him there and was like, "Nope, not doing that. Like, I know, I know, I cannot dribble over there. I need to get the ball back the other way." And then obviously, that led to some possessions where Delhi dribbled too much, and it just got ugly. Um, so yeah, maybe if they can find a way to split those two two up, that might be better. But yeah, Liggins getting minutes seems to be a, a real thing, and not one that I feel all that upset about like he he, i think he's done plenty to justify getting minutes on this team yeah i mean you look at the other options you know i mean i think we're we're kind of at this point you know i think which is a good thing as much as i love jason terry you know i think we're kind of past you know terry really filling kind of an obvious role on this team at this point and um so that kind of leaves you know sterling brown and rashad vaughn and sterling brown has not been able to 
kind of break into the rotation at this yep. point. He's caught some DM, some uh, inactives now of late. Um, and Rashad Vaughn has, you know, obviously had some some moments here and there, but um, certainly overall doesn't kind of bring, you know, the this, this same kind of lockdown potential defense that that Liggins does. And yeah, I mean, if Liggins hits open threes, then then I think it's it's he, he has a very good case to play. I think you know the only downsides from tonight, other than when he tried to dribble. Um, well, on that topic, there was that one kick out late in the clock where Bledsoe probably should have shot it, but kicked it out to Liggins, thinking he might pull the trigger on a three. It was kind of covered, I think, if I recall correctly, yeah. and so he ends up putting the ball on the floor and, and shot clock violation. Which you know, again, Liggins just should not be a guy you ever look to pass the ball too late in the clock. Really, nope. um, don't do it. And then he went under an Evans uh, a, a pick and roll, leaving Evans open for a pull up three that you know. This was in the midst of Evans' hot streak, and he's been great this year. And I mean, he can actually hit threes at this point. So um, that was definitely a miscalculation from him uh, when Memphis was making that run early in the fourth. I think the Bucks trailed by five. I think the Bucks trailed by five when they brought back a number of the starters. I want to say, um, and and obviously the Bucks kind of then went on a run. And um, you know, we haven't talked about Chris Middleton, but you know what? Chris hit three threes in the first half. Um, ends up four out of five plus 27 um, 17 points on, on 13 shots um, so it was definitely not great inside the arc tough shot express issues um, for sure did have at least one um, you know mid-ranger in the fourth quarter at least uh, and, and I mean that they went to him down the stretch it was a yeah. lot of that that two-man game with Henson and again Middleton doesn't get those but I, I know there was a hockey assist when Henson uh, got one to Giannis. There was the alley oop to Henson uh, that he finished there, and the, I mean, it, I thought there was there was definitely some positives there. And uh, obviously, Chris is not fully broken out of his slump, and I don't know if he's he's totally comfortable in his role. But um, tonight was one of those nights where you saw that that crazy kind of plus minus plus twenty seven for Chris on the night, uh, four or five from three, seventeen points. Um, he only gets two assists as well did how does Middleton and Henson only have two I'm very confused by the box score but that's okay um and yeah I thought I guess ultimately I I still have a bone to pick though because when I asked Middleton about that three after the game and it was the one that puts them up six I think that made it made it 194 four maybe somewhere in there i can't remember exactly what it was but it it was one of the ones that kind of helped uh seal that game and it was another situation where in my mind it was a transition three it was a look that chris and uh tony snell are never really afraid to shoot oh it made it 103 97 and after the game chris said Oh, it was just a trail three, something me and Tony work on all the time. I worked on it during the summer. The coaches, the coaches encourage me to shoot that shot if it's there, so I just let it go without thinking. Frank, I've found a three that the Bucks encourage Chris to shoot at all times. <laughs> Can we make that every three? Can we make that yeah. any time you have an open look? Can someone tell him, Chris, you are a bad, bad man? Just shoot open threes anytime you're open. Doesn't matter when it's in the shot clock. Doesn't matter if it's a trail. Doesn't matter if you're coming off a screen. Doesn't matter if you got flared. Doesn't matter if you ran a hammer set. Whatever it is, if you're open from three, shoot the damn ball. Because I've clearly found one where it's encouraged, no doubt. So that's my bone. Sorry, I needed to needed to get that out. 
Well, in the three point line, I mean, we talked about the last couple of games were were down nights from three point from the three point line, which was interesting to see the Bucks still win, but their offense certainly took a hit with them not really taking advantage of the three point line the last two games. Um, tonight, it comes back twelve out of twenty two, uh, and on the way to you know an offensive rating of of one twenty two. So um, clearly, you know, obviously that that's a big part of of their offense, and um, you know, it was interesting because. Um, you know, you kind of hit on it talking about Henson there a little bit, but you know, in the fourth quarter, they the Grizzlies were able to take kind of Giannis out of it a fair bit. They, you know, I think were a bit more aggressive trying to like zone up, zone him up on the strong side and and deny him the ball. Um, you know, basically force you know kind of like in the way that you know when when delhi runs a pick and roll teams basically sort of just concede him to get a shot close to the basket there were there was one play in particular where um you know they Giannis was trying to get the ball i think it was on the right side and trying to get a post look and you know the, they were doing a good job denying the ball so henson flashed to the foul line you know at w- which is a really smart play right to kind of change the angle yeah. And see if he can catch it, and then and then throw an angled pass to Giannis for you know for a layup on the backside. And um, I, I assume it was Marcus Gasol. I can't remember exactly what it looked like at the time, but you know basically the Grizzlies let Tenson catch, and they were so concerned with trying to stop Giannis even when before he got the ball that Henson just looked up and was like, "Oh, I'm like five feet from the basket. I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna yeah. sh- shoot a, a short hook shot going you know with his momentum going to the basket." So um, so that was kind of funny that you know again I think Henson sort of took what what the Grizzlies gave him and, and I, was gonna say, I know I, was, I talked to Jim Paschke a little bit after the game and he was saying that that was a look that they felt pretty confident was going to be there before the game that as they were going through some stuff they they thought that okay Gasol's probably going to try to do everything that he can to 2.9 over by Giannis where he's going to try to stay over there as long as possible, try to stay in the lane so he sees another body and then have to get back. Um, so Pashkin said that they thought they were going to get a look like that a lot, and it was something that they drilled during the day-to-day. And, yeah, that that it really came in. And I know Chris said something similar after the game that, you know, with Gasol, that's a look that we think we're probably going to get quite a bit, um, just with John in the middle of the lane and Gasol trying to cheat over there. So, yeah, the the Grizzlies definitely made it a priority. Um, and maybe John Henson doesn't go 8 for 10 every single night um, and make them pay as much as he did, but tonight he did. And uh, you could tell it really hurt because they kept just giving open looks. And, again, for things that I might have – I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of things that I'd have a lot of confidence in. It's difficult to think of anything John Henson does in that in that category. But a left-handed hook, yeah, and especially if you post up Giannis on that on that let's see left side of the floor and then bring him across for a high post flash. Okay, that'll work. Like John Henson can hit that shot quite a bit. So uh, I guess good job by the Bucks being prepared for it and Henson to actually execute it. Yeah, and I think turning the attention maybe to Giannis, um, you know, this was a game he shoots 10 out of 22, 27 points. I think that's about 52% true shooting. So certainly low on the Giannis uh, efficiency spectrum, but um, did a bunch of other things, right? I think especially in that first half, um, had a couple big block shots. Um, I thought, you know, his energy defensively was was there and rebounded as the game went on and, and made plays for other people. Um, you know, kind of f- fitting that he finished the game 
um, had the ball near near the the Grizzlies basket after a rebound and uh, I don't know how many seconds were left you know they were basically going to try to foul and he threw a you know Kevin Love style full court pass to Johnson for a dunk to finish it which seemed kind of fitting because you know with so much attention on Giannis uh, Henson was obviously a guy who took advantage tonight and um, it'll be interesting to see I mean we, we obviously have seen I think maybe the Thunder were the most the successful slash extreme example of teams that were kind of zoning up Giannis um before he could catch and and trying to dissuade the Bucks from even getting him touches, sort of in that sort of post um, type type side uh, t- post type look, um, and I thought you know they did a pretty good job in the fourth quarter in particular of kind of taking the ball out of Giannis's hands a fair bit. I think his only two baskets were you know on that kind of bizarre kind of tip shot and yep. on a cut I believe um, for a dunk, and you know other than that I thought. You know, a big part of the problem tonight, efficiency-wise, because Giannis kind of, you know, you tried some of these mid-range jump shots. He's trying that like fadeaway glasser thing, which, you know, sometimes works, but at this point, it's really more of an, yeah, it's more of an experimental shot at this point. Um, And so, I think for long stretches, I mean, pretty much anybody who wasn't Chandler Parsons had some solid minutes defending defending Giannis, um, in in terms of at least making him take some shots that were harder than maybe they needed to be. Uh, and obviously, you know, you had some struggles kind of finishing or not finishing, but, but shooting efficiently. Um, is it, so, it going to be teams that can show smart, large 2.9 guys? Like you mentioned the Thunder, obviously Steven Adams, big, burly, knows definitely how to play team defensive concepts. Obviously, Marcus Saul is that same kind of guy. Um, is again, there's not a ton of those guys in the league. Like, there's no doubt about that. But is that kind of what deters him? I'm trying to really think back to these games. Is that is it seeing that next level guy that's going to be there and be another player that he physically has to go through? Because I, I don't know. I, I'm just trying to. Trying to figure out the what what were they called the Jordan rule the the Dedekumbo rules like trying to figure those out is is going to be something we do all this season and I wonder if that's maybe part of it. Yeah, I mean certainly if you want to minimize Giannis's scoring, right? That that's probably the the way you have to think about it. Um, I think you know if Robertson is an, is is sort of the guy that even though he did you know Giannis did score a bunch of points efficiently in that game um I think Giannis or sorry Rob Robertson and then maybe Horford in the second Celtics oh, game yeah. probably did the best job of just denying him the ball and just being just pests and and being physical with him and trying to prevent him from even catching I think that's probably like the first step in trying to really contain Giannis is just making him like work and expend a lot of energy just trying to get the ball um and I think that's why you know the Bucks need to sort of think about you know how do you get him involved off the ball and obviously with Bledsoe um, and his pick and roll abilities you hope that that that's one side of it you know we saw Bledsoe um, find him on a really nice and and really tight uh, you know trafficy bounce pass cutting along the baseline for for a basket tonight as well for a dunk Um, so I mean that's kind of you know one one way where having Bledsoe also helps just because you know you know again yeah he's not Chris Paul but um, but he is a smart passer, um, and he's really quick, and he draws defensive attention. And just having a guy like that um, who can then make kind of simple plays, and, and obviously Giannis with his hands, with his catch radius, is a guy that you know is going to be. You know, we've seen it 
year after year since he's been a rookie that he's a guy who has a good sense for cutting. So if he is off the ball, um, he can get involved that way. We saw that a number of times tonight as well. Um, so, yeah, I think there's just, you know, you're going to have to continue to kind of get ready for different looks from teams. And obviously Giannis is going to have to be able to make plays for for his teammates and be able to read the defense and, you know, manipulate the defense and bend it to in ways that are, are going to get, you know, his teammates open shots. And you know, we saw him get a couple of assists in the fourth quarter tonight, setting up three pointers. Um, and, and, you know, we'll see. Um, certainly, uh, you know, again, is a team going to be able to take Giannis out of a game for an entire game? Um, that's probably going to be very difficult just because, you know, he can score in so many ways. But um, certainly if you if you show bodies and you get, you know, I think active, handsy defenders yep. who can keep him from bullying towards the rim and, and maybe get him to to settle for jump shots like he did a fair bit tonight, um, that that might be one way. And, and obviously, you know, part of it, too, maybe just getting tired. Right. I mean, playing a ton of minutes tonight. Yep. Um, that that's obviously might also be part of it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, credit to Giannis, right? Because I mean, even even with um, everybody but Chandler Parsons doing a pretty good job, and obviously, whenever he had Parsons, I don't know if I've ever seen him like, you know, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but like it used to be when Dan Godzarich was in about when a game, and he saw the 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 other center come to the scorers table, you knew that Dan Godzarich <laughs> was going to chuck up a shot yep. as as quickly as possible, like to to get a shot up before he had to go to the bench. Um, obviously Giannis was not worried about going to the bench tonight, but every time Parsons was in the game defending him, it was like his eyes got big and he was just like, I got to go. I got to go downhill. Yeah. And I think he had one off ball, um, offensive foul where, you know, Parsons was trying to, you know, slow him down and, and he just sort of threw him and, and it seemed like there were probably like three or four times where Parsons ended up on the ground tonight and did not draw a foul on Giannis yeah. and was the guy who drew the foul. And that kind of, I think, summarized uh, the night pretty well for Chandler Parsons. He he did not have much luck trying to uh, to stop Giannis, and he certainly was trying to attack whenever he got it. So, um, so yeah, just another testament to Giannis, right? Didn't have his best game tonight. Didn't have his jump shot particularly working. Did hit one early jump shot. But, um, you know, for the most part, you know, he still just grinds out these big numbers. You know, these yeah. uh, nobody but LeBron can just sort of grind out these just massive box scores like Giannis yeah it felt like repeatedly with Parsons uh, obviously the one where he physically just like kind of shedded him like a like an offensive lineman just moving a defensive lineman um most of the night it was just like okay sit down Char- like sit down Chandler like that's that's enough like I, I don't need you in my space like this uh and yeah a bunch of times it didn't get called uh one thing I Matt Velasquez and I were talking a little bit about after the game was with Gasol being as active as he was, I think it's been kind of fun to start to watch Giannis figure out. And the only guy that really manipulates these things in that same way is LeBron. But he's starting to understand that he should attack at certain moments. And those moments are dictated by how long a help defender has been in the lane and when they need to leave. And you can you can tell that some of those chess pieces are starting to go through his mind and he's starting to figure out exactly how to manipulate each of those things and when the exact right time to go is because that defender has to retreat right now because they were just in the lane and now they need to get out. And I, I don't know, it, it's it's fun to watch him – even in his struggles, like you said, 10 of 22 tonight, not a great, uh, efficient night for Giannis. Uh, but 
watching him start to learn all of those things is really fun to me. Um, the basketball kind of nerd guy that I am just watching those little things and watching how he is starting to figure out how to do those things is really quite a bit of fun. And I I thought, like you said, he's finding other ways and just getting to see him be an off ball cutter again, like you said, that bounce pass from Bledsoe, that was a baseline cut from Giannis where he could have just stood on the backside, but instead he picked the exact right moment, was able to fit himself in there, get that one, and it's dunk. Uh, there was another point tonight where um, it was on the big Henson alley-oop, if you remember that, in the second half. Uh, Middleton throws it up, Henson dunks it, and as Henson's running down the floor, he doesn't point at Middleton. He pointed at Giannis. And if you rewatch the play, Giannis was on the backside of that play, and he was kind of a- around the baseline area. And as Henson rolled down the lane, he went underneath the basket, and him doing that brought the help defender. That could have been the only guy that could have tagged that role. He brought that guy with him, and then that was how Henson got the free roll to the lane for the dunk. And it, it was just kind of one of those moments where you're like, oh, okay, Giannis thinks this stuff at a different level, and he's starting to figure out how even off-ball, without touching the ball at any point, he's figuring out how to manipulate his gravity as a scorer, as a playmaker, and as a cutter to get other guys open. Like he, He wasn't even involved in the play. He didn't touch the ball. They weren't even looking for him. He was just on the backside at that moment, and he was able to essentially open up a dunk for John Henson. Obviously, it was a nice pass from Chris Middleton and a strong finish from Henson, but Giannis created that. And kind of as you watch all these things, there was uh, another high post flash where they got to Henson and then a backdoor where they had already switched. So I think it was Gasol on Giannis. Giannis cuts backdoor on him. And I, I can't remember if he finished that one or if he goes to the line. But either way, for the one of the first times of those 10 baskets he had, I probably have to assume four are assisted, four or five. And uh, at the start of the year, he, he obviously gets them in transition. But getting to see him in the half court get some, unassist, or get some assisted baskets it's kind of a nice little change where he doesn't have to maybe go through three defenders, zero step them, bump off a few defenders and take that beating. He's able to kind of use his smarts and get some looks some other ways. So um, just kind of fun game within the game kind of stuff that I think we're starting to see Giannis do at a higher level um, that hopefully is something that he continues to improve on and continues to get better at. Yeah. And in the, post-game interview which obviously you wouldn't have seen because you were heading to the locker room but um he did actually henson called that out he said actually you know that Giannis was was cutting and getting him open um so yeah i mean it's just one of those subtle things right that the gravity of Giannis, you know you, we, we always think about gravity as being like a shooting thing right like oh if you're a great shooter you have gravity but um obviously Giannis is a guy that has a lot of gravity at this point yep. teams are very aware of where he is and whether he has the ball or not um so uh so yeah his impact even on a night where you know he was um more like an all nba second team rather than all nba first team <laughs> guy i guess um was uh was certainly very much felt and uh yeah i mean you know again against a grizzlies team like this you you happily take I, I think you happily take any win, um, yes. you know, but uh, certainly, again, I think, you know, 
look, this was not the way defensively you'd want to play over a full game. Um, the upside is that, you know, they did at least play much better defensively in the second half. But, um, you know, that's the question. Can you sustain, you know, successful defense over more than just a half at a time? Um, that's that's obviously a challenge. We saw them defend, you know, in terms of putting up good defensive ratings, we saw them do well in these last two games and, and obviously tonight was was not so great but um at a minimum they were able to defend you know kind of what i was asking you about yesterday right about you know you mentioned sort of the idea of the bucks being able to defend um when they need to right yep. and th- this was on you know kind of the the good and bad of that right <laughs> it pretty it's much like, played out well, exactly that way tonight like, yeah i mean when they it's like it. hey guys you you kind of need to defend <laughs> in all quarters really you're not good enough to get away with this yep. uh, consistently but um obviously tonight you know it worked out and they were able to get a win and um now they get a team on wednesday in detroit that obviously has been playing really well and um certainly you'd expect them to come back down to earth at some point and Obviously, you hope that uh, maybe that can start now with the Bucks hopefully trying to keep some momentum going um, with their their perfect start here with Eric Bledsoe. And um, obviously, uh, there's a lot of season left, but the Bucks back above 500. The, we talked about the the 500 mark having sort of a gravitational pull. Speaking of gravity, mm-hmm. uh, on the Bucks last year, that it just seemed like they could not get much over 500. They eventually dropped a fair bit under 500 before you know being able to scrape back over but um obviously with this team higher expectations you know a few home games coming up here you obviously would really like to be able to take advantage of that and um again these aren't like pushover teams especially detroit right now but um hey let's let's get some mean reversion detroit pistons going on wednesday and it's funny to kind of think about this but um in the past i don't know if you'd think of the pistons this way but this is a team that really challenge the Bucks in that first meeting and kind of test all of those things that we're talking about, pick and roll defense, and the Bucks gave up a number of threes at the start of that one. So it, I think this is, it's going to be a strong test on Wednesday, so we'll see how that one goes. Obviously, we can preview that one tomorrow. Uh, taking a look at the Bucks tonight, they win 110-103, and you'd think, oh, Held them to 103. That should help. We talked a little bit about top five offense, top 10 defense. You think that would help out the top 10 defense? Not so much. Slow pace tonight, a 90 pace. Uh, that is a defensive rating for the Milwaukee Bucks for 114. But this night did help out the offensive rating. Uh, offensive rating 122.2 tonight for the Milwaukee Bucks. So maybe inching a little bit closer to a top five offense. They win 110, 103. Giannis 27, 9, and 7. Seven plus two plus two, a, a, a inefficient night uh, for, for Giannis's <laughs> standards. A ten for twenty-two, maybe not the best night for him, but still able to put up big numbers. Peak John Henson, seventeen points, eight rebounds, somehow only three assists. I gotta look. He must have had some <laughs> free throw assists. Uh, two blocks for him, and then the others also contributed as well. Chris Middleton, seventeen points, four or five from three. Eric Bledsoe, fifteen points, seven rebounds, four assists. And DeAndre Liggins coming off the bench like an mf'er, and the Milwaukee Bucks <laughs> end up winning this one, one ten, one oh three, and. And I was going to say before you, before we sign off, for those curious, the Bucks now 11th in offense, 22nd in defense. So there is work to be done in terms of uh, those those marks yep. that we well, we've talked about them striving to attain. All right, Bucks win. 
And that is going to be it for us on Locked on Bucks. That was Frank. I'm Eric. A quick reminder, the Milwaukee Bucks are still undefeated in the Eric Bledsoe era. Bucks now win three straight. We will talk to you tomorrow.